With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Coming up, we've got all the news and views from Manchester City's week. It's your club and this is your show. So after the disappointment in the Community Shield, not a real trophy when you lose it, remember, it's time for the Premier League season to kick off. And if it wasn't already filled with narrative after the £100 million signing of Jack Grealish, it's City travelling to Spurs on the opening weekend. In other words, it's the Harry Kane team against the potential future Harry Kane team. More on that later in the show. Also this week, we'll be hearing from the former City goalkeeper and the Premier League's oldest ever player, John Burridge, about the unusual circumstances surrounding his arrival to Main Road and Howard Hawkins We'll be looking at the saga involving Lionel Messi and the toxic nature of being a football fan online these days. I'm David Mooney. Joining me for this week's Blue Moon podcast is Goal.com City correspondent Jonathan Smith. Hello. Good to be back. Good to be good to have you back, John. And uh, City fan Sam Roscoe. Hi, mate. How are you doing, Sam? Yeah, really good. Looking forward to the new season. Here we go. Good, good. Um, well, uh, before we get into the Tottenham saga and all of uh, all of the Harry Kane stuff going on, let's talk about the Community Shield game against Leicester. Um, the big headline, John, was that uh, Jack Grealish was on the bench for City and he uh, he came on a bit later in the day. Um, first first impressions of him, what did you make of him? Oh, I don't think we can read too much into that performance. Um, it was great to see him get such a, a lovely welcome for the fans. I think that, I think he's someone who's going to really excite everybody. Um you know he's he, he is a little bit different to what City already have. Obviously, you know he's an attacking midfielder, and City are overflowing in that position with talent. But yeah, he, he's something a little bit special. His dribbling, his sort of style. I, I really like him. I think he's you know the thought of him uh, alongside Foden in the midfield for the next five years. You know that really sort of whets the appetite. Yeah, uh, Sam. What was what were your impressions like? Like I say, like yeah, you were actually you were at the game, weren't you? Yeah, I was. Um, so what what was the reception it, like when he came on? Um, well, I was kind of sat amongst the Leicester fans. Oh right, uh, that side <laughs> of, that side of the stadium, should I say? I wasn't. I in mean, with the Leicester fans, of course. But I mean, that, that's um, a better answer than what I thought you were going to say because I thought you were going to say, "Well, I was I was yeah, a bit drunk by this stage." No, no, David, you know me. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so they were. It was quite funny actually because um, the Leicester fans decided to boo him, which I just thought was bizarre. Um, and I think that's a sign of things to come, just because it's a, you know, it's it's the news story, isn't it, that Jack Grealish has left his boyhood club for a hundred million pounds. Um, so I think that's that's, a, that's exactly on. what I wrote actually from the game, Sam. That was... I've read your article. That's why. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, there just, we go. Total plagiarism. Just recycling my, my ideas, are you? <laughs> um, I'll look out for them and later in the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, the reception was uh, warm from the city fans and and interesting from the um, from the uh, opposition supporters, and I think a sign of things to come. But looking at how he did on the pitch, I thought it was really interesting that he was, um, you know, out on the left. What I found. Um, 
what I thought was really good to see, uh, which might not have come across on, on television, is that he was really, really sticking out on the left. We know Guardiola loves his wide players to, to hog the, the touchline. That's exactly what Grealish was doing for, for the majority of it. Yeah, he, he came inside to, to pick up the ball quite a few times, but um, for the majority of it, he did like to hog that touchline. I think um, the it was really clear. He was very confident. He was always after the ball. He always wanted the ball, which was great to see. You know, he was always an option available and and he was just yeah it, it's nice to see a player have the confidence to to go one-on-one with with the opposition and, and try and take them on didn't always come off but you know I think as um, as a football fan that that's what you like to see and and it gets you up off your off your chair doesn't it and I'll I'll be honest like I know this is going to sound ridiculous because you know we with the Premier League champions and they've won you know they're the most successful uh, domestic side in in the past decade, but sometimes when you watch City, it, it there aren't always those moments that you you're you're not on, well should I say you're not on the edge of your seat as much as you as you'd think for a side that's that's dominated the the league for for as much as they had in in, in the decade. If that makes sense, and that if that wow. make me sound like a, I I could hear you digging. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I kind of feel digging. a little bit like that. But, <laughs> Yeah, at time. Basically, what I'm trying to say is, at times, it's a little bit boring to watch. Uh, maybe but Grealish. May, yeah, I think will improve that. I, I think the, the the interest in in part of of, of the performance, I thought John was. Um, he, you could see how happy he was to carry the ball at times, and you think of of a City player, and like as Sam's alluding to there, there's there's so many times where City kind of just pass teams to death. There's there's sometimes not that element of driving at players and and you know driving into the into the uh, into the crowded areas with the ball and someone who can keep possession doing that. Um, do you see Grealish doing that in in this season? Yeah, and there are those games where teams sit back, try and. Uh, squeeze the space, try and disrupt the passing game, and you know, on occasions, City sort of go out wide and uh, you know, look at look at getting crosses in, and obviously they haven't really got a, that sort of striker yet. Yes. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's it's another option, isn't it? Another way of opening up opponents with that. You know, he, he's quick on his feet. He draws fouls. You know, you don't want to be giving away free kicks on the edge of your, uh, on the edge of your box with people like De Bruyne and Mares around. Um, so you know, it's an, it's another thing to for for other sides to worry about because the the if they're going to sit back and Grealish is going to run at them, win a lot of fouls, win a lot of free kicks, City going to punish them. Yeah, there's any concerns, John, that um, he'll need a season to bed in. You look at a lot of Guardiola signings; they don't tend to come to the fore until the second season or so. Any any concerns about that with Grealish? But, yeah, I think there always has to be a bit a bit of a worry about that because we have seen it so many times. Uh, you know, Mares, Cancelo. I mean, there's 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 a few, isn't there? So you, you never know how quickly. I mean, I think Pepper himself has been asked about that question, and he said, "You never know whether they're going to." Hit the ground instantly, get it straight away. He certainly is. He, he's um, he was interesting in his press conference about what he, you know, why he's come, what he expects, um, and he, he seems ready for it. He's very keen to learn. He's obviously spoken closely with the England players. Uh, obviously, he's got a bit of a relationship with Foden. Um, they've obviously all summer been talking about what to expect. You know where 
way where his game can improve, um, and he's eager to learn. And but you know, he's, the, the talents there. I'd, in my mind, I don't have any doubt that he, he's good enough to be part of one of the best squads in Europe. Yeah, um, Sam. I want to. Uh, I mean, this is this is proper goalkeepers' union stuff now. But uh, I want to talk about Zach Stefan because uh, we didn't really do it last season. There wasn't really that much of an opportunity to talk about him. Um, watching on the TV, it looked like a really solid display from him. What 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 was it like in the ground? He um, kept City in the game at times. To be to be honest with you, um, Leicester had some really good chances and. Um, you know they, they they didn't put him away because of him. Basically, he um, he did really well. I thought he was unlucky with the the penalty. He did get his hands to it, um, but in the end, I think Ianacho just absolutely blasted it. Um, so there, there wasn't really a lot more he could have done for the penalty. But other than that, I thought he was um, he was great. Yeah, I mean the the one for me, Sam, was the the, the Vardy one onto the post, uh, just like that. Honestly, that that's a case of make yourself as big as you can and get something on it. And boy, did he get something on it, you know? Yeah, great one for the cameras as well. You know, he'll he'll have that for the rest of the season. Even though he <laughs> might not might not play much else, but he'll have that for the rest of the season. Yeah, uh, John, the, the the penalty itself. Um, Sam mentioned that uh, that, that Stefan got a hand to it. Um, I, I, I'm guessing that penalty technique is the reason why Inacho had to leave City. <laughs> you are scoring it. Yeah. yeah. I know we can't can't have someone like that at the club. Yeah, um, yeah I, it was. Um, I mean, you know, I, I do like Kalechi because uh, spoke to him a couple of times, and he was always determined to to be a success. And he, I don't know, he, he never really settled at City. There were, there were obviously big moments, but it's so tough, isn't it, to 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 go to take that leap? Um, but yeah, just going back to the penalty incident. Uh, not great for Mackey. Um, not the best way to start the season. He obviously had his troubles at the end of the last, well, throughout last season with injuries and stuff like that. Missed a lot of the season. When he came back, struggled and thought he had a decent game. And then obviously that one big moment, which it was was probably his error. Um, so he looked pretty distraught actually at full time. So, well, you say probably his error. Um... There is from that from the other angle when you watch the uh, when you watch the pass coming to him, he quite clearly mm. says to Rodri, "I don't want it." Does that I thought give it was him a bit of a hospital ball? To be honest with yeah, you, yeah. Does that does that not give any mitigating circumstances? Yeah, well, you, it doesn't matter whether you don't want it; you've got it, so deal with it. It doesn't mean give away a penalty, does it? <laughs> All right, <laughs> no prisoners from John there. So, I mean, <laughs> any, any mitigating circumstances? <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's not the best ball, is it? Uh, but that being said, um, this is what Manchester City are all about, really, aren't they? Playing under pressure at the back, um, so it doesn't doesn't really bode well for for Nathan Ake. That uh, you know, I want to say high profile mistake. I suppose it was, considering it, you know. Um, we counted it as a as a trophy when we won it last time. So yeah, but um, we're not counting it as a trophy. No, this year, of course so it's not. Right. No, no, it's just just a plate, isn't it? Really, you know, eat your dinner off it. Big dinner. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I think I think the both of both of them really it, it, it wasn't ideal. I don't think it's the best ball from from Rodri, but you know, Ake probably should have just just cleared it and, and sorted it out. 
Yeah, just in, on the incident itself, though, John, um, do you have any complaints about it at all? Because if I'm Zach Steffen in this incident here, I'm feeling like I'm being punished twice for that. Because not only have I made a great save from the advantage that, that Leicester get from the ball breaking, I then have to get up and face a penalty because they haven't scored it. Well, I completely agree. I didn't. It didn't. I, I was what I was there at the game, and the referee didn't look like he was going to give a. You know, it, 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 there was no suggestion he was going to give a penalty until he'd saved it. It was play on. You missed it. Have a penalty. Um, I thought it was. I, I, I thought it was unfair. Actually, I spoke to a couple of people around me in the press box, and they were uh, stop being a. a <laughs> be a neutral reporter. Stop being a blue. So. Um, <laughs> I, I I thought it was yeah I thought you got two bites to the cherry and I thought that was it's harsh slightly isn't it? yeah because you know it was a good couple of seconds but by the time the board run through he'd had his shot the, the referee assessed the situation and, and played an advantage he, and, and decided that um, you know the, the advantage was that he was clean through on goal with a great opportunity to score. Yeah, the, the question um, the question that I always ask in this situation, and, I, and I've I, I've had numerous rows with uh, anyone who's played five aside with me will know I've had numerous rows with referees over this. How how good does the save need to be for it to count as an advantage? If you know what I mean, how uh, like if if it's if it runs through to a Leicester player and he and he and he kind of trips over his own feet and it bobbles back to to uh, Zach Steffen, you say okay, fair enough, they haven't had the advantage. How how good a save does does Stefan have to make before the referee says, yep, yeah, that was an advantage. It was just an absolutely cracking save. Well, I mean, I don't think it should come down to the quality of the save. I think, I think it's length. I think it's the referee assesses the situation and thinks, right, this is as either as good or better than uh, an opportunity from the penalty spot, which I think it probably was um, probably as good as, you know, it, I don't know if we see it too much these days, but we obviously there used to be occasions like that where someone would put it would put it in the back of their net, and the referee had already given a penalty. Well, I, I I just think that I just think he's played the advantage, and yeah. and, it, and he saved it, and that's that's the end of the play. And I I, I mean I've I mean it's been interesting. I don't I don't know if we're going to get onto it on the program, but I've been looking and sort of following some of the changes to VAR that are coming in this season, and it's. It's kind of a, an admission that there was a lot of it, a lot of things wrong last season, um, and I just don't see things being cleared up this season. I still think incidents like that. There's so many incidents around goal scoring opportunities, goals where it's just such a, a muddle, a complete grey area where there are. It's just not clear what's right and what's wrong, um, and each time they clear it up, they just seem to add another level of uncertainty to it. Yeah. Uh, one final question on on Stefan uh, for you, Sam. Um, when you think about second goalkeepers in the past and the, and, and the backups that City have had, um, when you've got a goalkeeper that's a number one like Edison, where your style of play depends so much on on how your goalkeeper plays, it must be even harder to get a decent decent second keeper. So, how, like, how do you rate Stefan in that in that regard? Um, I think he is a, a decent second keeper, like. You know, he he served as well in the in the cup competitions. I can't recall a time when he's, you know, we he's he's made a a real big howler. It's, yeah, I mean, he did forget the rules at Chelsea last season when he picked up a back pass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, I mean, I don't really know 
it, it's going to be difficult for him, but because um, Edison is is number one, and I don't think it's going to have that much of an impact. To be fair, um, on on the way City City play, I don't think they're going to play differently because Zach Steffen's in net for a cup match. I don't think that's going to going to be an issue whatsoever. Yeah, uh, a couple of words on uh, the youngsters as well to finish the first part. Um, Sam Cole Palmer and uh, Sam Adozi started the game. Uh, what did you think of them? Yeah, I thought um, pleasing to see uh, that they, you know, they were really looking for the ball, really keen to get on the ball, and I thought um, overall what an experience for them. You know, I, I think um, you could tell they they may have been a little bit nervous, a little bit excited. You know, there were some um, some wayward shots, but. Um, yeah, great experience, and I'm sure they'll they'll really come on for that. And a, a brief run out for for Ben Knight as well, John. Uh, what did you reckon to him, other than the fact that his hair was uh, was shockingly bri- uh, blonde? <laughs> yeah, I don't think I could get away with that uh, <laughs> style. Uh, um, you've, got, you've got a better yeah, chance he... than Sam here, though, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, uh, yeah, I think he he tried hard. He, he, I mean, he started pretty much all the games. I think in pre-season. And just uh, he's not quite there yet. Um, you know, I don't like to sort of say academy players. Uh, you know, I don't, I'm not going to criticise him because he's still young, still in the game. So the fact that he didn't score in preseason doesn't, you know, is, is not a reflective of, of the potential that he has. Um, I mean, he's only about 15, though, isn't he? That's how it, it's like, how old he looks. <laughs> well, what I'm saying, I'm not going to have a go at him uh, because I wasn't. You know, he didn't do too much. Um, but it was just a bit of a shame that we, we didn't get a chance to see uh, Liam Delap in pre-season. Um, and obviously, there's a possibility of a new striker coming in before the window shuts. So I don't think we'll see much of Ben Knight. You see stats pop up all the time about clubs and players. And you want to know that exact thing about City. There's an answer. Statcity.co.uk Want to find out all of the players who played alongside club legends like David Silva, Sergio Aguero or Vincent Company? Or maybe you'd like to know which team found it hardest to score past Joe Hart. You can find out City's record in every competition, at every stadium and under every manager. Just go to statcity.co.uk and browse away. That's statcity.co.uk We'll, uh, we'll have a look more at the uh, striker story shortly, but uh, we're going to move on. And in the last few years, we've become used to seeing Pep Guardiola City breaking Premier League records. Uh, but there's one that no player in the current side is getting close to bettering any time soon. Back in 1995, it was John Burridge who became the Premier League's oldest ever player, appearing for City at the age of 43 years, 4 months and 26 days. The former goalkeeper, now nearly 70, has been explaining to me how it all happened. I was what? I was 44. 43 years old and um, I still think you know I could play you know I still wanted to, to play and Kevin Keegan made me contract finished in Hibernian I went home I lived in Durham and, my, and Newcastle United trained at Durham it, it, I could walk from my house to their training ground very easy I got a phone call from Kevin Keegan he said uh, Budgie he said I'm going to offer you the, the uh, goalkeeper coach's job at Newcastle United and they were one of the strongest teams in the Premier League at that time. You know, they were playing very, very well. And um, I says, Kevin, I still want to play. He says, Budgie, you're 43. You know, and I says, I know, but I can still play. He says, OK, what if I make you play a coach? 
I said, okay, I'll come down and see you tomorrow at, uh, at, the, at the training ground. So I got down and, you know, I, you know, I was doing nothing anyway. Nobody else had, uh, had phoned. And it was pre-season. It was pre-season training. So I was doing my pre-season with them. And every, you know, every Friday, there was a... That's why I played for so many clubs. Every Friday, there was a, a club came on, like Darlington or Scarborough. You know, or you know, um, Altrincham or somebody like that would you know would come on. Lincoln City was another one would come on. Budgie, we need you for one or two games. Our goalkeeper got injured. We need we need experience. Uh, I used to go and I used to charge a thousand pound, you know, for the game and you know a nice hotel, you know, uh, night before the game and I'd come home directly after it with my expenses, and uh, they, they never used to refuse and. I had one six games here and six games there, and um, you know I, I usually be playing uh, tennis. You know, uh, foot tennis. You know, uh, there was Terry McDermott and, and Keegan against me and and Pavel Cernicek. You know, in the gym every Friday morning. Arthur Cox came down and says, "Budgie, the boss wants to see you." I went up. He says, "Budgie, Manchester City want you." I said, "Okay." I says, "But it's Premier League, Kev." You know, he says, "Yeah, no problem." He says, you know, City weren't doing very well then. And um, there were, I think they were about fifth bottom. I went down and I stayed in the Copthorne. I went there in September and I was still there in February. You know, I sat on the bench every week. You know, if it was at Main Road, I would, uh, I would travel down on Friday night, stay in the Copthorne, uh, go, go to the club, sit on the bench. Tony Colton was in the net. Newcastle United... They were going from the. You, can you remember the big rant, you know, from Kevin Keegan about, against Alex Ferguson? Yeah, I. Uh, yeah, we, we've got it. Yeah, it, what was it? Uh, I'd love it if we beat them. That's that's the one, it. isn't it? I'd yeah. love it. I'd love it if we beat them. <laughs> you know, and um, it, it, that's the season. You know that they were going. They, they were going for the title. We were playing them, and Manchester City were in the. You know, they weren't in the relegation zone, but they were not far away, and Newcastle were challenging. And what happened was, you know, I went down and seen him because I was going down to Manchester every week and, you know, and I says, we're playing you this week, boss, at Main Road, you know. I'll be on the bench. Can I play? He said, no problem, Budgie. No problem at all. You know, so I said, are you sure? Stupid thing. I know, I knew, you know, stupid things have happened. He said, um, it's okay, Budgie. That was on Tuesday. I went to him again on Thursday and I said, boss, are you sure? He says, Budgie, you've got the problem with it, not me. You know, do what you want. And I says, okay, boss, thank you. Can I have a lift down tomorrow, you know, in the team coach? He says, of course you can, get on, you know, because I, I, I train with the lads every day. So that Friday I got in with the lads and I was getting a bit of stick. We hope you get on, Budgie, we hope you get on. You know, I was laughing and, you know, it was all big banter. They went to their hotel, I went to the Copthorne. The following day, three o'clock kickoff, I was named as sub-Tony in the nets. I was waiting for them at half past one to come in. You know, the, I was waiting for the, the, the Newcastle bus. So as soon as they came in, I went down to the dressing room. I knew the, I knew the, uh, the Newcastle lads better than... The, the Manchester City boys. Yeah, well, you've been, you've been, you've not been training with the City lads, had you? No, no. 
when I did, did train with them for midweek games on Monday, you know, I had fights with Uwe Rosler. I, I, I had a fight with everybody when I was when I was training, you know. So what happened was I, I got I sat and have a cup of tea. It's two o'clock now, you know, in the in the dressing room, in the in the in the Newcastle dressing room, in the visitors dressing room. Went down to the Manchester City dressing room, started getting me dressed, and I said to Tony Corton, Tony, you can come off against Manchester United, you can come off against Liverpool, you can come off against Everton, you can come off against anybody, but don't come off today. And TC was laughing, he's a bit of a joker. Nil-nil at half-time, and just before half-time, you know, full house at Main Road, Tony Corton just went down, he collapsed. And I thought, what the bloody hell? He wouldn't take the piss, you know, he wouldn't take the piss, you know, you know, uh, like that in the middle of a match. And I looked at his knee and he was like a balloon, honestly. He'd done his crucis ligaments. And uh, we've, I've got down to the dressing room and Brian Orton says, Budgie, get ready, you're on. Yeah, well, what, what's going through your head at that point then? Oh, shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> what? I'm 43, I'm thinking, oh, shit. You know, I knew Kevin. I thought, bloody hell, I've got to do my best. So I went out, I did six or seven minutes warm-up as much as I could, and then you have to be introduced on the side of the fielders in them days, beside the trainers' boxes. And what got me at it, I was a bit down, and what got me at it, Arthur Cox, you know, Budgie, Budgie, and I turned around to have a look at him, and he said, uh, let one in, else we're sacking you. I said, you piss off, you're not getting one here. You know, you're not getting, you're not getting a cheap goal here. No way. In the first, uh, you know, my first action, Rural Fox, can you remember little Rural Fox? You know, broke through on the, on the, just timed it perfect. Bump, I smashed him, you know, down at his legs. Not like this star jump they do nowadays. It was a good old-fashioned sliding tackle with the body flying through it. Caught the ball. And then big Les Ferdinand, he's got up above everybody, you know, bang. Top corner, I've got my hand at it. You know, and then David Junall cut in from the side onto his right foot, bent one in the top corner, I've got me hand to it. Nil-nil draw. You know, yeah, I've got me clean sheet. That's all that mattered to me, me clean sheet. I'm coming down. I'm really proud of myself. And I've sat down in the dressing room and all the lads are shouting, budgie, fantastic game. It hit me then. I thought, what the bloody hell have I done? Well, what, know, was Ke- what was Kevin Keegan's response? Well, I'm just going to tell you about that. I was invited upstairs to the press room to after the game to give my response. And I knew Kevin. Kevin's good on camera. You know what I mean? He's good in front of him. You know, uh, Budgie's this and Budgie's that. And you know, I walked into the press room and I seen him. I thought, oh, shit. You know, so I've doubled back and I've gone back down, you know, back out of the way. And he's run after me. He says, Budgie, come here. It's all right. It's all right. Come here. You know, so we sat together and he's got his hands on the back. I'm sat down and he's got his hands on the on a stool and he's got his hands on my shoulders at the back. And he said, we see Budgie every day in training. We knew, we knew that he would give his best. We knew that he wouldn't throw the game. You know, a fantastic goalkeeper for his age. It would be in my goal if he was, if he was 20 years younger. You know, so I, I think in, you were lying, sod. You know what I mean? What a brilliant act. He was bloody livid that he dropped two points. The worst bit was, I walked in on, on Monday morning, you know, to um, the training ground, and, you know, it wasn't the same. 
There was only about, there was four games left, four games to play, you know, to the season, and they dropped two points. And I, I, I went into the coach's room, and uh, Arthur Cox wouldn't speak to me. He didn't even say good morning. Kevin came in. He says good morning, buddy. That was it, you know, like that. Oh, it was you could cut the atmosphere with a knife. The following. Tuesday, we had another game against Aston Villa, another one of my old clubs. And I went down there, a 1-1 draw. And then we played Queen's Park Rangers at home, uh, another draw. Francis Lee came up, he says, Budgie, you've been fantastic. I can't sign you. I would love to sign you. But you're 43. Yeah, well, I was going to say, I mean, in, in terms of, uh, of the record as well, you still hold the Premier League record for, for the oldest player. Uh, do, you, do you think it'll ever be broken? Well, the records are there to be broken. You know, um, it's been it's nearly been broken two or three times before. You know, Mark Swoutzer, you know, at Leicester City, he was 40, 43. You know, um, 2016, I thought he was going to break it. Uh, I, 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 could play for, I could play for Manchester City. Now, now, at nearly 70, I couldn't, I, I've got, I'm not fit. The only thing, I'm not as flexible as I used to be. And I don't recover as quick as I used to be. But, you know, um, if, if somebody said to me, I have two days rest, John, don't do anything, I could still have one game and play. Please give us your backing. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. That was John Burridge speaking to me. Now, uh, before we move on, this season we're being sponsored by Football Prizes and it means you could win some exclusive Manchester City prizes. This week they're giving away two Tunnel Club tickets for City's match with Arsenal at the end of August. If you'd like to be in the draw, entries are £9.95 each and there are only 149 entries available, so it's a little bit like an online raffle. You'll get 10% off your entry price with the code BLUEMOON10, that's B-L-U-E-M-O-O-N and the number 10. Just go to footballprizes.co.uk for more information. 10% of the money raised from the entries will also go to City in the community. Entries close at 7.30pm UK time on Wednesday the 18th of August and we've got a free ticket into the draw to give away to Blue Moon Podcast listeners. For the chance to win that, just email us bluemoonpodcast at gmail.com. Just send us your name and your contact telephone number and we will be in touch with the winner later in the week. If you want to be sure of being in the draw though, use the code BLUEMOON10 for a 10% discount on your entry at footballprizes.co.uk. Now, time to look ahead at uh, the game with Spurs uh, this coming weekend. Um, just before we do, though, I just want to, to play this. This uh, is from Pep Guardiola after the game with uh, Leicester at the weekend, uh, talking about whether he was ready or not for the season. Uh, this is what he had to say. We will arrive like it happened last season, late, late and late, because the UEFA and the FIFA are not no allowed to give time to the managers for the calendars for the players rest so uh, tomorrow after tomorrow arrived seven eight players so Rodri made two training sessions uh, Laporte is isolated and uh, many players three just three or four training sessions so that's why I guess in the beginning of the season we are going to try to get results knowing that we are not in our best and and day by day, week by week, month by month, game by game, we start our best to compete uh, every game as best as possible. How difficult will it be for you to get the team as competitive as it needs to be to play a team like Spurs next Sunday? We'll try our best. We'll arrive in our best knowing we'll not be our best. It happened last season when we went to Wolves and like we play 
60, 65 minutes so good. In the last 20, 25, we were exhausted and we lost 2-5 uh, against Leicester at home in the in the Premier League. So we know we know that uh, we will not be our best, but the mentally and the little details we have to correct. The players like play today, next Sunday will be better. Okay. How ready do you feel? Do you feel ready? Mentally, yeah, of course I'm ready. But the, how can be ready when the players are training three, four training sessions? How can be ready? Before, in the old period, the teams, the manager have four weeks, five weeks all together, travel in a camp, you know, you build a relation, the new players, all the players. Today is over. So I would love to have the Brazilian guys, uh, Eddie and, 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 and Gabriel, and have the English players, the Britain player here. But they finished the season, a Copa America in the final, they finished the season three weeks ago. So they have to rest, you know, no human being can sustain. So that's why it's adjust, adapt, adapt and adapt. We have done last season when we start a little bit flat in terms of result, no stable. But after a while, we were there and start to win and I'm pretty sure the players come back. Because when I saw what I saw today, I'm incredibly confident that many good things is going to happen this season. You're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. Well, listening to that was uh, Jack from the Rule the Roost podcast. Uh, Jack, before we get into the news off the pitch between City and Spurs right now, um, let's let's have a quick look ahead to to, to the game. Um, when you hear Guardiola speak like that, how how? How far are Tottenham into their into their readiness for this season? Would you say it's very hard to know, David? At the moment, um, we've kind of you know I think the the sort of mandate for this short summer that we've had after the Euros was to try and clear some of the dead wood um, that you've seen that we've probably needed to do for the past couple of years. Pochettino called it out a couple of years ago. Um, which we've managed to do, you know, we've got, we've lost Lamella, um, God rest his soul, and uh, <laughs> a few of the other lads, but uh, it's just, it's it's very hard to know where Tottenham are at the moment. You know, we've, we've played two pre-season friendlies uh, against Chelsea and Arsenal for, for the Mind series, which, you know, although it's for a good cause, it's, it's a, uh, it's a strange one because it, we don't really know how much we've learned about the team from that when probably the the mo in those sort of games is we have to not lose to chelsea or arsenal as opposed to let's experiment let's see kind of what nuno's bringing to the table um we've had a lot of our players obviously not available to us we've had one of our new signings brian keel who's been playing at the olympics we've obviously had the uh the certain gentleman who shall not be named at the moment uh, <laughs> who hasn't been featuring and hasn't even been training um so yeah in in short I, I i don't know how up to speed spurs are really at all yeah john when you hear guardiola say that um i are you concerned that it's going to be another start to the season like last season there were points at the start of last season where we were thinking god this is just dull it's really really dull yeah i i, I am concerned because it wasn't a good start to last season i think there were sl- some changes uh probably the last season the problem was defensively where they weren't settled Obviously, Ruben Diaz came in in, Sept- in September and settled everything down. He's ready to go at the start of the season. Um, alongside Ake, who obviously made that blunder against Leicester. Um, but with you know with Mendy and Cancelo, you know that's a pretty strong back four. So that gives you a good base to ha- perhaps make a better start than last season. Obviously, 
the the problems where they're short, where people where they're undercooked is further forward. Uh, no striker coming in to replace Aguero yet. Whether the, the, the money whether, whether, not, that, whether that's changed <laughs> by weekend, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the money mustn't. Whether we, what what colour shirt he's wearing, we'll, we'll we'll find out. So, I guess they've got the quality to uh, nick these sort of games with that solid defensive system. So, perhaps not as bad as it was last season, but certainly there are similarities. Yeah, Sam. If, if if you saw the starting lineup on Sunday, and it was pretty much the team that started against Leicester, but maybe one or two more senior faces in a couple of places, how do you feel? Um, just just very quickly going back to the question you asked John about being concerned about a slow start to this year. Um, uh, sorry, another slow start this year. Well, you know they had a slow start last season and they ran away with it in the end so that doesn't concern me whatsoever likewise with the starting lineup um if it's very similar to uh, to saturday against leicester you know i think we like we discussed in the game that you know leicester obviously had a couple of chances some good chances but they didn't take them and realistically the you know it was a penalty in the end um and if they do get a few more uh, senior faces in there then that's just going to add to that balance of that team and i think yeah, you know, look, I think there will be a slow start and I don't think it will be um, all guns blazing against Spurs on Sunday. But I think, you know, like what Pep said in his press conference, it's, you know, what do you expect from, from players that have just returned and they've had a, a week of pre-season? Jack, we're going to have to talk about him now. Uh, so uh, sorry about this. But uh, I mean, I mean, <laughs> what, what, what's your read on, on, on the, the Kane saga so far? Um, because... You know, the latest we hear as we're as we're as we're coming to record this is that there are reports now that City are willing to to, to pay the money up to 150 million for for Harry Kane. Um, uh, how are you feeling about it all? Well, I mean, there's been various various stages. I mean, ultimately, you know, you don't <laughs> separate the emotional kind of attachment to to the guy. You don't. Nobody wants to lose their best player, the club talisman, probably one of the best strikers in the world right now. Um, so that, that's kind of something to, to, to deal with, I guess. Um, yeah, he's obviously somebody that's carried Tottenham, you could say for a couple of seasons at least. Um, but on the other side, you know, if he, if he wants to go, if he's not happy, now's kind of the chance because we don't, we're starting a new project, right? You know, we've got a new manager in, we're starting to phase in new players and, what we don't really need is this constant kind of narrative around it as to when's Kane going to go? Are they going to sell him? Are they not? You know, it's it's not helpful, I don't think, to to anybody at all. Um, and it's, it sounds quite silly and it sounds like it's just kind of a Spurs fan trying to comfort themselves with losing the, the aforementioned, but it's it's kind of where we're at, isn't it? You know, you, you, you don't want a player who's actively unhappy that the media seem to really want to try and move on as well. Um, but you know, my, my other side of it, though, is also that City have to pay. You know, I, I don't really buy this narrative at all that Spurs are in any way being stubborn or anything like that. We've, there's a lot of the, you know, power is in our hands still. He's got three years left on his contract. He's our most important player. He will still, you know, even if we do hold on to him this year, he'll still score loads of goals because he'll want to be in that World Cup squad. 
Um, and he's just that type of player. So, you know, I, I don't I don't really buy the kind of like Pep was saying previously that Tottenham need to negotiate. I don't think we do. You know, Man City want the player. Man City have a lot of money. They have to pay for him if they want him. Yeah, well, let's. I mean, let's hear Guardiola because um, this is what he had to say ahead of the game with Leicester. And, I, and, and John, what I found interesting about this was normally when Guardiola's asked about uh, other other teams' players, it's a very stonewall answer of you know it, they play for somebody else. We're not going to talk about it. But this is what he said: "He's playing for Tottenham Hotspur. If uh, Tottenham don't want negotiate, is finished." If they are open to negotiate, of course not. I think Man City, all the clubs, many clubs in the world want 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 him to try to sign him. We are not an exception, but depends of Tottenham. So Harry Kane is an exception, extraordinary striker. No doubts about that. Of course, we are interested in him, but he's in Tottenham player. And if they don't want to negotiate, nothing more to say. If they want it, we will try. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast. So, John, when like when you hear him talk about that, like, you, you hear all the time about about players or all the the rumours that players are issuing, like "Come and get me, please." That's almost like the inverse of that. That's like a manager, you know, like, and I want you, please, you know, please release yourself from your contracts because I want you. Yeah, I mean, it's not a secret, though, is it? Um, obviously, Aguero left at the end of last season. It was clear that City needed a striker. There aren't many top strikers around. You know, it's, you can't really deny that City are in for him. He has, or well, whether he's been on strike or not, you know, he's, he's certainly making it pretty clear that he wants out of Spurs. Um, City aren't going anywhere. You know, they've, Messi's been and gone. Uh, Lukaku is about to join Chelsea. Uh, Haaland's going nowhere this summer. Messi, uh, Mbappe is going nowhere this summer. There's only one show in town, really. So, I, I mean, it wouldn't... He, he's not going all out saying we want him. It, it, that's where it is. But it's, you know, it's... There's things going on in the background with, with Cheeky. So, why, why pretend? Yeah. Sam, obviously Jack said there that uh, Spurs hold, if not all the cards, then most of the cards in this transfer dealing. Um, what's your take on it? Are you simply a case of, look, just pay the money, get the guy. If you want him, get the guy, pay the money. I think City have to, to be honest with you. I think you look at um, Daniel Levy's track record of, of transfers. He isn't going to be afraid to let this rumble on to transfer deadline day. Um and I think, yeah, I, I totally agree with Jack. Spurs do hold a, all the cards here. You know, he's got a three-year contract. They don't want to sell him. Why would they want to sell him? 150-plus million, of course they would. Um, who wouldn't want to sell a player for, for that amount of money considering, you know, his his age, his injury record? And, yeah, look, I, th- I think it's now, what is it, five, five consecutive ski- seasons he scored over 20 goals in the Premier League. Um you know, with with that kind of um, record and the fact that he has got a three-year contract, Spurs do hold all the cards. And I think if City do want him, then they are going to have to pay big, I think. Um, and it, it really surprises me, to be honest with you, because I know... I know in the past, um, certainly in the, in the past few seasons, City have spent big money. Um, you know, they, they've spent 60-plus million pounds on, on the players. Um, but they haven't gone overboard with um, uh, the likes of, of 
figures that we've seen for the for Jack Grealish and what's been spoken for. I, I know what you mean. Two one hundred million pound transfers or above in a summer is a bit much, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's all a little bit very surreal, and it's something that's still very new to to City supporters. Um, of course, for for those um, football fans that are on the outside looking in uh, to Manchester City, they will just assume that you know that's that's a normal thing for Manchester City, but it is far from the case. So um, yeah, it's really interesting to see that they've they've already paid a hundred million pounds for Grealish, and now there's this talk of a hundred and hundred and thirty, hundred and forty million for for Kane. It's it's quite surreal, really. Yeah, uh, Jack. If he's if he's still there on Sunday, and uh, you know he's passed his PCR test and he's and he's available for for the squad, uh, does he start? Do you think? No, I don't think he'll start. Um, I reckon he'll be he'll, he'll be on the bench. I think maybe under sort of previous regimes, they would have put him kind of front and centre. But the noises you kind of get out of Nuno, I don't think he's somebody who's afraid to kind of I don't know want to stamp his kind of authority on things at the moment. Um, and I don't. I just don't think it would send the right message to the rest of the team either. If we kind of just started a player who's hardly trained at all, who's pretty much actively campaigned to leave Spurs for even the tail end of last season before it even finished. Um, so no, I don't. I don't think he 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 would start. He'd probably be on the bench, um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him come on and score. To be honest, because it's just what he's like you know it'd be sort of like his audition in a way like he like he needs to audition anymore for for his big move but you know that's that's kind of how I see it yeah how's how I mean let's let's take it as far as the other way in that maybe he's not moved by Sunday and maybe he doesn't move at all by by transfer deadline day um what's uh, how will the relationship be with the fans then at that point oh you know if he starts scoring goals nobody's gonna care you know that's that's the truth of it really isn't it I think there's a there's a, there's a lot of talk at the moment of people saying, oh, he's broken a bond, he's shown his true colours, he's shown he's just like everyone else. But if he starts scoring again, he scores against Arsenal, you know, people are going to forget about it until the transfer window reopens again. Yeah, um, just looking uh, again from a City point of view, John, um, there's there's also talk that there may that there may be players involved in any sort of uh, deal to, to, to kind of just bump up the value without it being you know, cash up front sort of thing. Um, have you got any indication of what players it might be? There's talk of Laporte wanting wanting to move on. Jesus might want to move on. Obviously, Bernardo's been, been talked about this week as wanting to move on. Could any of these be involved in any deal, do you think? Yeah, I'd be I'd be surprised. I mean, without wishing to be to offend Jack, um, it would oh, be offend, offend a, away, mate. Offend away. <laughs> <laughs> it would be a significant step down. You know, you're going from a team that's from being those three players were all involved. Okay, maybe not as much as they wanted to be. They were all involved in uh, a team. You know, playing matches on the way to the Champions League final, winning the Premier League, um, and you. You know, you're joining a team who who aren't in the Champions League, who are playing what odds is it in the in the Europa League in the Europa Conference League? You know, it's those are those are players who want to be playing right at the top. And I'm sorry, but I don't just don't Spurs aren't there at the moment. They have been recently in recent years, uh, but right now, you know, Bernardo's probably looking at the top teams in in Spain. Rather than kind of the seventh best team in England, 
Yeah, um, Sam. When you when when you oh, look yeah. at, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I agree, mate. That's okay. <laughs> I, I was trying. To, I was just trying to smooth it over nicely there, John. But you, you drew attention to it, is what you did. Um, Sam, when you when you look at, um, at the shape of City squad, obviously we talked about uh, you know players coming back late and you know a couple of players wanting to to, to move on at that point there. Um, the fact that this Kane saga is going on right now, and the fact that it is City's opening Premier League game. I was going to say, is it a distraction? But is it a nice distraction in in the way that everyone can focus on the Kane thing and kind of ignore the fact that half the squad is not fit yet? Um, yeah, I think so. And I think for the players that are in the current Manchester City squad, you know, regardless if they've only had a week's training, I'm, I'm thinking of like Gabriel Jesus. He's going to be desperate to get on the pitch. He's going to be desperate to, to show that he's... A, a great player that can be a real force for Manchester City in the absence of Sergio Aguero, despite the the fact that they're looking at spending uh, 130 <laughs> plus million on a on a new striker who scores 20 goals a season at least in the Premier League. So that's quite um, that's quite the uh, the, the motivating factor, for Gabriel yeah. Jesus, shall we say? Yeah, yeah. But um, uh, yeah, I think as well, um, it's just exciting isn't it that the prospect of of city spending ridiculous money and having ridiculous players i think um you know i think jack grealish obviously has got a a brilliant relationship with with phil Foden, with raheem sterling with john stones already in the squad i'm sure john stones and and Foden and sterling will have been speaking to the rest of the 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 team uh, about what they can expect from him, um, and I think they'll they'll probably know already, you know, from watching him in the in the Premier League and, and playing against him that he's a he's a great player, and they'll have seen in training, they'll have, they'll have um, they'll have all gotten to know each other by now. So, yeah, I think that will also be a, a boost to the team that they've got a player like that in there with them. Yeah, just one final question, Jack. Um, obviously, the fans are back in for uh, for this game. Uh, is, is is there likely to be a, a, any sort of uh, hostile atmosphere because of what's happened this summer? Do you think? Uh, I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to tell, isn't it? Really, because I, I don't really feel that there's a, an awful lot of just sort of gauging the zeitgeist, if you like. I don't feel like there's an awful lot of ill will towards City, to be honest. It just, you know, it's kind of a food chain thing, as John was alluding to earlier. Um, and I think, you know, Spurs were sort of, we're, we're pretty well accustomed to that down the years. I mean, so maybe some of the younger fans won't be so much. Um, it, it does seem to be that most of the ire has gone more towards Kane himself, really, um, at the moment, just for, just for the way he's handled things. I think the kind of this, the training strike has... has uh, and it's you know it's upset me and it's upset a lot of people really because you just don't really expect that from somebody who's the kind of the club talisman. So I mean there might be a bit of kind of whatever needle, but I, I, to be honest, I think at the moment it's kind of it's a more it's a more humbling experience probably for Spurs as opposed to a viscerally angry one at the moment. Yeah, I'm going to run through each of you now, Sam. Where do you think uh, Kane's playing on the first of September? Manchester City. Jack? Yeah, City, I think you'll get it done. John, clean sweep? Yeah, I think so. 
Fair enough. There, you heard it here first, folks. One hundred percent. There, that uh, that Harry Kane will be a City player on the first of September. So uh, we can confirm that's done and dusted. No need to worry. Now, um, let's get some predictions on the board. We're raising money for the Trussell Trust this season on the podcast, a charity working to help those who are living in food poverty. The money will go to supporting the nineteen food banks currently operating in Greater Manchester. Each of us is getting a ten pound correct score single, except for me because I'm giving mine to Jack, uh, and it's coming from William Hill. Uh, Jack, what are you having for this one? Uh, unfortunately, I'm going to have to say 2-0 City. 2-0 uh, City is 7-1 to one and £70 pounds if you're right. John, where are you going? Well, something we've not really touched on is uh, Nuno, who I think has set up his teams well against City in the past. Uh, and obviously, like we were talking about, a little bit short of players, so I'm going for a 1-1. One, 1-1 one. Uh, one, one is also 7-1 to one and £70 pounds if you're right. Sam, what is, uh, what's your prediction for this one? I think it'll be quite a, a tight game, but I think City will edge it. I've gone for 2-1. 2-1. Uh, maybe a Harry Kane winner in there. Who knows? Uh, let's find out on Sunday. 15-2 uh, to two if you're right. £75. you got to be 18 or over to gamble. Prices can change, and please gamble responsibly. If you'd like more information on responsible gambling, have a look at begambleaware.org. Jack, um, thank you very much for uh, joining us for today's show. Um, I do. I, I, I kind of feel like I need to apologise for, for the loss that you're <laughs> suffering right now. <laughs> It's all right. Just, just, just look after him, lads. That's all. <laughs> you know. Now we couldn't let the Messi saga pass without letting Howard Hawking loose on the topic. He's back this week, and he's talking about the Argentinian. All the ducks are swimming in the water. News broke last week that Lionel Messi would never put on a Barcelona shirt again, on a football pitch at least. have to admit my pulse did quicken somewhat. I never truly thought he was now going to end up at City, but it was a fun couple of hours on Twitter at least, and how often can we truly say that? A welcome diversion from Brexit, the earth being on fire and City having seven fans. Of course by now you know the end of the story, and I can't help feeling a little pang of regret. Perhaps that is selfish. Within half an hour, a PSG tweet announcing his arrival had well over 10 million views. Messi transcends the sport as a footballer and as a marketing tool. And my selfishness thinks that this podcast would have quadrupled its listeners overnight. And suddenly millions would want to follow our little club, though some of you may not think that's a good thing. As for him turning up at City, my heart says yes, but logic says no. And you have to separate the two. The idea as a City fan of seeing Messi in a City shirt is intoxicating. It's the stuff dreams are made of, especially after the last 18 months of drudgery, anxiety and TV sport. I cannot express the thrill it would have given me, and I get even giddier thinking of the urine it would have boiled. I doubt many PSG fans care about that latter point right now. The Eno Messi plays for their football club. That's all that matters. Last year it made sense to me on every level, but this year I'm not so sure. I may of course be proved wrong, as I am so often as a football fan, but it has a feel of Ronaldo to Juventus to me. For PSG it rests on whether they win the Champions League or not with him, unless the simple fact of him being there is enough in itself. I know they did not win the league last season, but let's be honest, without Messi there's still 99% chance of winning it next season. So he's there because they can, because it's a statement and because this is what dreams are made of. It just wasn't to be for City. Last summer was the time to strike, but he didn't have the commitment to leave. One way Messi could have helped at City though is the Erling Haaland angle. Messi is not a striker as such of course, but if he rocked up at City we could certainly wait another year for a true one. And that would allow us to enter the Haaland battle, though I imagine the jostling 
for him next summer would be unprecedented with little guarantee of success. It's one batter you would have to have a backup plan for, unlike this summer's tedious cane pursuit, it seems. But hey, the messy dream is officially dead forever, and logically it makes sense not to spaff £150 million of wages on a player, even if he is a marketing dream. We'd even get 2,000 people to his early evening West reception unveiling. But why does it not make sense? Well, last year Messi wanted to leave Barcelona, that was clear. This year, he does not, that's even clearer. And he is a year older. The fact that until the very last moment he was desperately trying to sort a deal with Barcelona is hardly the encouragement you need as a club owner to pay him a million quid a week, or whatever he's earning. I'm sure a lethargic Messi would still be one of the best players in the Premier League, but perhaps for the first time ever he comes with no guarantees, as he clearly has not set his heart on joining PSG this summer, or City, or anyone else. But then he's so good, in a way he does come with plenty of guarantees. And having not won the Champions League for a decade, not enough perhaps to justify the investment, from a manager's point of view at least. I wish City had gone for Messi, but I understand why we didn't. He's had two opportunities to join and he chickened out. He's had his chance, much as that pains me. Perhaps City's insistence that they can and will get Kane, and the corner they have put him in by making these intentions clear, means that the club must continue to pursue the less exciting Kane route, rather than shafting him at this late stage. So time to move on, and I finish by thinking about how it is the easiest way to do that. Because to be honest, I'm already sick of the upcoming season before it's begun. Edgelords counting empty seats, fan counting, net spends, FFP. How do I get through a day of this drivel, let alone another season of it? I mean, imagine if we had actually side lead on Messi on top of what we already have. I'd be smashing my router up with a hammer. I may do anyway. Thing is, the people who use Twitter to troll and bore may just be children, so I can't say I'd have acted any better at their age. But the adults? Dear oh dear, what a pitiful existence they lead. The thing is, people like this don't appear to be taking any joy or happiness out of the sport they profess to love, and are sucking the joy out of the sport for the rest of us, too stupid and naive enough to frequent social media. I only know because it shows up on my Facebook timeline when a friend posts on such pages, but there were swathes of grown men, millions of them, and it's almost exclusively men of course, bantering about City's lack of support and plasticness on pages such as Footy Accumulators, Super Lad Banter and Footy Bants Forever. I may paraphrase a couple of those names, but I'm not checking them precisely. And that lack of joy is relevant because, firstly, what's the point? Well, two things to downgrade the achievements and experiences for a fan base that follow a club far more successful than theirs. Secondly, a desperate need for online attention and numbers, ratios and all that. But most importantly for me, it's the antithesis of everything that made you fall in love with football in the first place as a child. Other Blues will naturally retort, don't engage, don't reply. They're right, of course. Or are they? You see, are these people really playing to Blues as their crowd? Think about the situation about match reports and newspaper coverage of Manchester City nowadays. Things have changed. You see, much newspaper City content isn't even aimed at City fans anymore, especially if negative in its tone. It's manna from heaven for rival fan bases to lap up negativity about City, to convince themselves further that City's success is essentially meaningless. And with so-called journalists peddling anti-City rhetoric, surely they are appealing to the same crowd, not us. They don't need us to engage, though they know we always will, because that is basic human nature. So another new season requires from me another new approach. After the past 18 months, I need it. I sat in a theatre last Saturday, and it was easily the most joyous two hours of the year. Thanks, Peter Kay. 
Surely now then it's time for positivity where we can get it. Surely now it's time to ignore the trolls. Let them preach the converted. Let us get more out of supporting our football club and reinvigorate, rekindle that childhood joy for football we once had and look to the future. Surely now is the time to celebrate the seats that are taken up and feel joy at the people that are in grounds, not the people that are not. An opportunity for some level of normality. And in under two weeks, my first football game in 18 months, as long as my mobile ticket allows me into the game, and I get to the ground at least three hours before kickoff, of course. After all, does it really matter if City don't do well next season? I mean, really, where does it sit in your hopes and dreams for the next nine months? We've been through a pandemic on top of everything else life usually throws at us. We're still in one, truth be told. I've mentioned in the past how last season's league success helped me get through it all. But that apart, does the success of your football team really matter, especially over a single season? Surely you have better things to worry about. Well, of course, it will matter to me, and it will sulk and feel terrible at times and joyous at others. But I do wonder if all these emotions have been exacerbated by the toxicity of social media, the need for my team to succeed. Everything is heightened. So a new season means a new approach. Less time on Twitter. Any account that is trolling is blocked immediately. Any individual. There are so many of them that it is a lifelong commitment I've made there. But I will try. Because I cannot have my mood affected by things I haven't seen. And because whatever the season holds, I want to be able to enjoy it once more. I want to get back to the life we once had. Many great experiences, memories formed, and a great day with friends on match day, whatever the result. After a difficult time, this can be the start of the next chapter for us all. Though it would have been easier with Lionel Messi mocked up as a peaky blinder in Beswick. I'm Clyde Tilsley. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, Barmy and I, Barcelona, all that. Yeah, that Clyde Tilsley. Um, you're listening to the Blue Moon podcast. Enjoy. Check out exclusive city interviews on our website, bluemoonpodcast.com. That was Howard Hawking. Time to finish with some of your questions. Get them sent in on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast. You can email us as well. Just go to the website, bluemoonpodcast.com, and fill in the form there. Or you can search for us on Instagram. Just have a look for Blue Moon Podcast. Uh, first question comes from uh, the delightfully named Twitter user, hmm, maybe not, uh, who asks, is there a backup plan to Kane? I've read he's the only one we're going for, but I can't see us repeating our success if we have to play false nine all season again. Um, John, just in terms of the Kane story, obviously we've talked about it at length with uh, with Jack earlier on in the show. Um, is there a backup if, if it becomes impossible to get that over the line, do you know? Well, I suspect they will have been watching several players, um, but it seems like you know Kane is the number one target and it's, it's all in on him. Uh, it depends what, what are we... About, well, we've still got a couple of weeks left in the transfer window, so it should become clearer whether that's completely shut down and they have to look somewhere else. I, I kind of agree with maybe not that um, that they can't rely on a false nine again this season. Um, I mean, having said that, you know, Torres finished the season well, uh, a year older, had a good Euros he maybe can step up a bit more. You've got Sterling, he can switch into the middle now that Grealish can play on the left. So maybe they've got more options for that false nine. Um, but I think, you know, Pep wants a striker. There's no doubt about that. 
Yeah, well, let's. I mean, let's bring in the question from Paul Barron on this, Sam, as well. Uh, who he says, um, why does Torres have three to four anonymous games to every good one? He's not consistent enough. Um, as as John alluded to, there he had a, he had a pretty good Euros tournament. Sterling has see. You know, we were talking at the end of last season about Sterling's form not being not being great, and then he's had a pretty good Euros as well. Um, it feels like if they don't get Kane over the line, they do have a few options, do they? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think with with Ferran Torres and the question from Paul there, um, I agree. I don't think he has been consistent enough, but I think that comes down to, you know, he's getting used to a new league still and consistency comes when you're consistently on the pitch as well. And I just don't think he's got that run of games under his belt, you know, where he's 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 played to, to sort of get used to the tempo and to sort of get a feel for the the Premier League properly. You know, um, he has scored some great goals for us and he's he's made an impact. But I do agree, it's not not consistent enough. Um, and I think that's that's probably um, a bit of an issue with the the system that we we play and we switch it around quite a lot. You know, obviously being in a number of different competitions, etc. So I just think he needs a little bit of time to to get a good run of games under his belt and then we'll we'll see what he's properly made of with, with Torres. And I think as well, you know, his position, um, he, he comes inside a lot. Is he an out-and-out winger? Would he prefer playing through the centre? And like you say, if, if, you know, if they don't get Kane, they are going to be looking for someone to sort of spearhead that. And could it be Ferran Torres? I think it'd probably be a little bit of a push, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I, the thing with Torres, John, I, I felt sorry for him at the end of last season because he was coming into form and then Cancelo got sent off at Brighton and it was it was Torres that, that, that Guardiola sacrificed for another defender and it, it kind of seemed to just disrupt everything he'd built up in that Newcastle game. Yeah, it did. I mean, I, th- I think I came on the podcast towards the, towards the end of the season and we were, I think one of the questions at the time was, has he got an outside shot of snatching a place for the Champions League final? And the answer was no, but... You know, if he's, he gets a hat trick against um, Newcastle, if he'd have got a couple of goals against Brighton, a couple of goals against Everton, probably still doesn't start, but he's your first alternative. Um, and then, yeah, like you say, the Brighton game disrupted it. Um, then the Everton game, kind of, he, he, he wasn't really part of it. It was all, it was all about Aguero. Aguero comes on and scores two goals. You go into the final and. Aguero's your the first man off the bench, is it? Yeah. yeah, when you need a goal. So, but, you know, we, we talked earlier about Grealish needing a bit of time. Torres has had that year. Uh, you know, got used to life in England, got used to speaking English, you know, a little bit more mature, had a good Euros. So, he's, you know, he, he, he's got a lot about his game. I, I, it's interesting, as a, he was signed as a winger, winger. He just seems to have that ability. Go back to that Newcastle game. The ball just dropped to him. He's got that knack for finding a little bit of space or knowing where the ball's going to fall. Um, you know, when he came on for Spain, a low cross comes in. He runs across the defender, gets there first, and it's a tap-in. It's, it's kind of a striker's instinct, and that's not what he was signed for. But he just keeps doing it. So, yeah, I mean, it's, the other one, obviously, is... Uh, Gabriel, and he's kind of the opposite of Ferran. He, he almost looks most effective coming in from the wing um, without that responsibility of, of getting getting goals. But it, it, if they don't get Kane, that gives them the options of 
manoeuvring people all, all over the pitch. You've got Sterling who can play th- three places across the top. You've got Torres who can play a couple. G- Jesus can play a couple. Uh, De Bruyne can play as a false nine. Grealish can play as a number 10 or as a winger. Foden. Mahrez as well. Not even mention Mahrez though. Yeah. Well, I think Mahrez pretty much plays as a right winger. I'm not sure he moves around too much, but there's a lot of options to, you know, not just within the season, but within the space of 90 minutes, 45 minutes, just to move things around, shift the opponents around and just just give yourself every opportunity. You know, when you've got a manager like Pep, who's so intelligent, sees things that none of us can see, to have those options is is pretty good. Now, uh, final question for the week goes to Gaz Brady on Twitter. And uh, brace yourself, fellas, because it's it's short and to the point, all right? Uh, Sam, it's coming your way uh, to start with. Uh, Gaz simply asks, the fuck is that third kit? <laughs> Yeah, it's um, it's not quite the Paisley, is it? <laughs> it's uh, it, it missed the mark, do you reckon, uh, by by just whacking the words Man City across the chest? Well, I was going to say it's good to know, you know, if we ever have a moment of madness and we forget what team we're supporting, we can uh, we can be reminded <laughs> with it on the front of the kit. Yeah, John, is it one uh, one of the classics for you or not quite? <laughs> I, I, I've been. It's a, I mean, it's a massive. If that's the right one, it's not been released yet, has it? Officially, so no, it hasn't. No. Uh, um, sometimes those kits that are leaked, sometimes they do make little tweaks to them, and they're not always as bad as they first appear. But the, uh, a bit disappointing. I think Puma have got it pretty much. I've, I've done a pretty good job. I, I, you know, I really like the Hacienda kit. I thought that was one. I thought that was a classic. I thought the Paisley kit worked um, this season. Just all a bit. I don't know, just a bit meh. Yeah, don't like any of them that much. I mean, the white one's okay. Yeah, Sam, the the white one, the white one looks good uh, on telly. Does it look good in the flesh? Uh, not with green shorts, it doesn't. Oh, I like the shorts. Mm, not a I fan. Like, I like the teal. A like, bit, bit, bit of a fan of the teal shorts, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, as if the uh, if they're lifting a trophy at the end of the season, and it's the big one. Um, then they can wear whatever they like. Yes, that is uh, that is quite true, isn't it? Right, so that brings us to the end of this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, then please go and leave us a rating and a review in all the usual places, but especially on Apple Podcasts if you can. This season, the Patreon bonus show is being released every Monday. We've got several new formats of shows, and this week's is the first in a new series called The Games That Made Me, where me and a guest run through five games that shaped them as a City fan. If you'd like to hear that and all of the new shows, then you can sign up for as little as £2 per month just go to patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast and they're released every Monday there's two on there from this season already special thanks to my guests on today's show Jonathan Smith thank you and Sam Roscoe thank you very much I'll be back next week with whatever happens at Spurs in the front and centre of my mind I'll see you then the blue moon podcast please support the show patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast